In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about what it means that God is with us. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Saturday. How you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing quite well. I did not have to travel 600 miles, and I don't have to look forward <laughs> to traveling another 600 miles. I am here at my home with my my parents and my family and enjoying the time. So, yeah, I'm doing quite well. Well, good. Well, we, we did uh, Christmas at our, our house this time, and it was actually really nice. It was just nice to kind of veg out at the house. We went and watched a movie. Uh, the boys in the boat, which which uh, we enjoy quite a bit. So yeah, a good time. Good deal. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that in this sermon you you were talking uh, about really prophecies of Jesus. You mentioned the sign that of Mary's virginity comes from a prophecy that meant something very different for King Ahaz. Does that mean that this isn't really related to Jesus at all? Not at all. Um... And this is kind of the interesting thing, which when you're looking at the entire Old Testament and particular prophecy, that there's more than one thing going on. This is probably a really bad analogy, but Kenny, do you remember when you were really young in church? And uh, if you were like me, you probably, before you started paying attention to the lessons, uh, you probably sat with a notebook and you probably drew and <laughs> and maybe... Yeah. Maybe you also kind of would stick a piece of paper over a picture and just kind of trace things. And in some way, that's what God did in the Old Testament. He has this, and that's this whole thing about type and anti-type, which we're not going to get into. But (laughs) he has the full reality of what salvation was going to mean in Christ and what his people were going to be and what his kingdom was going to be. But he gives us a tracing of that in the Old Testament. And, you know, even in our in our Acts class, we were kind of noting that some of the, this past Sunday, some of the parallels between some of the things the early church went through and what Israel went through in the wilderness. Well, I don't think that's an accident. Mm-hmm. God is giving a an illustration of what happens in the Old Testament and with a point that his people in the in the true kingdom aren't going to have uh, the same, uh, well, they're not going to give in to the struggles in the same way. Well, with Jesus, when it comes to prophecy, this is not the only prophecy that I think we would look at and say, well, there's probably more than, than one fulfillment. We read 2 Kings chapter 7, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 7, which is one of the better known prophecies of Jesus because it talks about David and his kingdom and how God was going to establish the kingdom of David's son and that kingdom was going to be an everlasting kingdom. And the prophets pick up on that and of course the gospels pick up on that and Jesus is the true fulfillment of God establishing David's kingdom. Is that what David thought was meant at that time? <laughs> well, there's a part of it, and even in the prophecy, because God talks about, you know, if 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 David's son, you know, departs from God's way, he would he would scourge him or he would, you know, ch- uh, chastise him. Well, Jesus was never chastised. He he never departed from the from the ways of God. 
Solomon certainly did, though. Uh, so there, there was a a fulfillment of, of Solomon building a house for God and God establishing David's thrones through Solomon. But there was a better and full fulfillment. I probably shouldn't use those two words together. Um, <laughs> in which that happened with Jesus. So the point in we come to Isaiah 7 is not to take away from the virgin birth of Jesus. I am still of the opinion that there's only one virgin birth that's ever happened in history, and it was Jesus born of Mary. Right. Reality is, I think a lot of our Bibles probably translated uh, Isaiah seven fourteen as the virgin shall conceive because of how it is translated, or Mary being a virgin in in Matthew one and Luke one. Right. The right. point. That you know, the the very word itself could have just been translated "young woman." Yeah, Ahaz was literally told a young woman is going to conceive and she's going to give birth. And when this time comes around, you know, so many years down the road, the problem that you're really fixated on is going to be taken care of. Right. But Jesus is the fulfillment, and that's why we went to Isaiah chapter nine because even in Isaiah, there is the point. A child is born to us. And who is he? He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is the one who's finally and truly born and fulfills the the deliverance that God was even offering a glimpse of in the time of Ahaz. Let me backtrack just a little bit. The, the sermon idea is, is, is God with us. But one of the things that, and, and you and I basically grew, grew up in the church, and we are, we are, uh, used to the idea of what prophecy is, but if you had to explain somebody who is not who has not been going to church their whole lives, what is a prophecy, and why is it a big deal? Yeah, that that's a really uh, that's a good question because I don't know that even those of us who have gone to church our entire lives necessarily appreciate what prophecy is. Mm-hmm. We think of prophecy as this is strictly things happening far, far away in the future. And that when we read a prophecy, that's what I was talking about. Things that have not happened that are going, going to happen a long yeah, time. Making a prediction. Yeah. Yeah. So now there is that element. Yes. In all prophecy. But when God was speaking through the prophets, he was literally just revealing his will. A lot of what the prophets talk about in the old Testament is not about anything in the future. Right. God is using the prophets to, chastises people for things they've already done. God is using the prophets to remind the people, here's how gracious I've been to you in the past. But then, yes, of course, there's also the matter of here's what I'm going to do. Some of those were fulfilled in the very near term. So again, Isaiah 7, God says, in the time it takes for this child to grow up and to know the difference between good and evil, and I think because it fits along with the history. This is all happening about 734 BC. Mm-hmm. Well, about 12 years down the road, when a Jewish male child would grow to that bar mitzvah age, we would say in our culture and society today, where he's recognized as a man. Yeah. God's saying 12 years down the road, I'm taking care of, of these kingdoms. Well, so Many of the things that God was predicting were things that were going to happen in the near term. 
But there's other prophecies. So Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 45, where God says, oh, there's going to be this guy named Cyrus. And he's going to let my people return to the land and he's going to rebuild my house. Well, that's a few hundred years down the road. Right. And Cyrus isn't born. Persia and media are not significant kingdoms at this point. There's a whole lot of things are going to have to happen uh, down the road for any of this to come to pass. That is a prophecy that when we look at the fulfillment is staggering. How could that possibly, you know, how could God know what was going to happen or how could the prophet know? Well, only if there's an everlasting God who time is nothing to him and he can reveal it. And of course, so many of these prophecies about Jesus date 700 to a thousand years before Jesus was born. And yet you see how they're fulfilled in his life. Yeah. And your, your point is exactly right, which is that, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that, uh, Ezekiel is one of my favorite prophets, but a lot of the things that, that Ezekiel said were not predicting anything. They, they were just saying, guys, you all just really messed up. Uh, and, and so you can, you can talk a lot about a, a lot of those prophecies. Really, to be a prophet just meant that you were uh, a spokesman for God. And sometimes that meant you t- predicted the future. <laughs> God predicted the future. And sometimes that just meant you spoke on behalf of God. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to this idea of prophecy, what are the big deals? The the predictions are a big deal because if you have a perfect God, then he should be be able to perfectly predict the future. Yeah. I mean, that's why we look at fulfilled prophecy as one of the great evidences for the inspiration of Scripture, for there being a God. If God can predict who the the leaders of the, the world are going to be by name long before they're even born, well, then that testifies to the validity of our faith. If God can talk about the details of Jesus's birth, the details of his life, the details of his death and resurrection— long before any of that happens, that is, gives testimony to the reason for why we believe. So it's a huge deal. Yeah, it really is a huge deal. Again, the, the topic of your sermon was God with us. And and if Jesus being with us and Jesus being God meant that literally Jesus had to be a man in order to be with us, is Jesus still with us? Because I can't find him anywhere. Can you, Josh? Yeah, and that's, you know, not to not to, you know, do too much playing on words, but that's what I was trying to do in the sermon on Sunday. We think right. of, you know, right now my parents are with me. They right. they are literally in the same house as I am right now. They are with me. And so we think of God with us and we think of okay, that is talking about that 33-year window when Jesus literally lived on the earth and he is God with us. That's not the point that God was making to Ahaz though. The child that was being born in Isaiah seven wasn't literally God with them, but God was making a point. You could have had me with you on your side. I would have fought for you. I would have done for you anything uh, that you asked and you rejected me. Well, that's the point of having Jesus with us. You know, Jesus made that statement to his apostles in in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and verse 20, when after he had told them uh, to 
you know, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe whatever I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is after Jesus had said on the night of his betrayal, I'm going to leave you. Mm-hmm. He's a, He was literally in the process of leaving them. He was ascending to heaven or about to ascend to heaven. Right. But he says, I'm always with you. Yeah. Wednesday night, we're going to uh, look at uh, the the life, brief life that we have of, uh, recorded of Stephen, you know, the first martyr of the Christian faith. And what is it that we see when he is being executed by the Jews? He He looks up into heaven and there is Jesus at the right hand of God. You know, his Jesus was still with, not, not in the same location, but he was still looking on his servant and was about to receive his servant. He is still with him. And that's the idea that I just wanted to take from this, that we look at these well-known prophecies and this time of year, right or wrong, you know, people have that on their mind. Well, that means more than simply there was a baby born in Bethlehem and God was with us. No, this is the true sign that God says, I'm on your side. I'm with you. And that's why I wanted to look at those, you know, the words of Mary and the words of Zacharias in, in Luke, um, Luke chapter one, because that's, that was the point of their, their words. God has been merciful to us. God has redeemed us. God has, has saved us from our enemies. We can now truly serve him. Why? God is with us. That's what it means for us that Jesus is Emmanuel. It is the testimony, the sign, God is on our side. God is with us. That's a hard thing for us, number one, to conceptualize. Number two, what? how should that change us, Josh? How, knowing that God is, is in our corner... How should that? How should that act? How should that change how we act this week? What that testifies to is the nature of God, and this is you know one of those things that you look at the the totality of Scripture that God is presented in all these ways. He is holy. He is unapproachable. He is you know to be served in reverence and fear, and all that is absolutely true. But go back again to the context of the Isaiah 7 prophecy. We, we read from 2 Chronicles 28 about the life of Ahaz. Ahaz is not a good person. Hmm. Ahaz turns from God in every way conceivable, even to the point of sacrificing his sons to other gods. And God is still offering Ahaz the opportunity to have the Lord Jehovah, the Almighty, on his side. Right. So what that says to me and what that should say to all of us is, we have a God who is on our side and who is on our side even though we're not always very good. In fact, many times we're not good at all. Mm-hmm. He is on our side, even though we have rejected him in our lives. He is on our side, even though we have served ourselves and our own desires. He's still willing to be with us. What we need to do and how that changes us uh, as we go through this week was that statement that was made in, in Isaiah 7 and verse 9. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. 
I need to put faith in a God who is so devoted to us that he would give his son for us on our behalf, even though we were undeserving. And yet he's still saying, I'm on your side. And so that changes me. That should. That's why I want to go and really start trying to follow God. I want to live life the way he wants me to live because he has given this testimony of how great he is and how he is on my side. If he's willing to be on my side, even though I've not been very good, I should certainly try in every fiber of my being to now be on his side. Mm -hmm. But if you mess up, I mean, that's it, isn't it? Well, I mean, again, that's the point with Ahaz, though. <laughs> He'd messed up tremendously, and God's right. still, still willing. Uh, and so, and of course, we go to the other matters about what it means to have Jesus on our side, and we've discussed that at length. You know, we read we the book of Hebrews. Jesus is on our side. He's our high priest. We, when we, when we fail and we mess up, Jesus is still interceding for us. He's still, you know, petitioning the Father on our behalf. God's on our side. He's not against us doesn't mean that we can treat God's commands lightly or, or treat our relationship with them lightly. It's the, the exact opposite. Right. It just means, though, that when we do everything we can and we still fall short, God's on your side. <laughs> right. Right. It doesn't kick you out of the family. It just means that sometimes when you're a stupid kid, you're a stupid kid. And you're still in a family where, where you can be a stupid kid, not willingly and not rebelliously. but you still mess up. So does that make sense? It does. Okay. 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 Have any idea what you're going to talk about, talk about next time? I'm going to sit in the pew and enjoy listening to JP talk. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, i tell you what, uh, what I might do is I might try and talk to, to Patrick or Luther or some, somebody like that. And we might try and get, we really there. need to, we need to talk to some of our, our brothers who we, yeah. we help support, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I, I will not be preaching this Sunday, but we're going to, um, uh, you know, try to try to start with some uh, hopefully relevant material the first of the year, and that that first Sunday of the year is our our you know Vider Friends Sunday. Really trying to get an effort. The the year begins, and and hopefully maybe some of our friends and family would be interested in in, in joining us. Uh, and what I do want to do, uh, mm-hmm. and I'll go ahead and announce it now. Um, I'm not going to preach through Ephesians per se next year, and I'm certainly not doing it in in back-to-back weeks. But I do want to have somewhat of a focus in Ephesians next year because I want to talk about the church. And I want to talk about what Paul is talking about in regards to the church. And that's what we're going to do that first Sunday is we're going to look at Ephesians 1 and just notice about what it really means to be a part of God's church. Mm Mm-hmm. We think we think oftentimes strictly of obligation. If I'm part of the church, then I need to be there. I need to be at worship. I need to do this. I need to. Well, that's not how Paul casted it in Ephesians one. No, to be in the church is to truly have the blessings of God, and that's what we want to uh, to focus on uh, as we start next year. All right. Well, I think we'll have something to talk about next time. Then I look forward to it, Kenny. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, 
God bless you in your walk with God.